Welcome to the Gap Church Podcast, where we're filling the gap through freedom and the truth. Please enjoy this week's message. Remember that um, we are in our culture series. How many of y'all have been tuned in? We started just last week, so if you've missed one week, you're, you're not too far off. How many of you guys know we're on the culture series? Just say hi. All right, cool. We got to catch y'all up then. <laughs> Um, we're in week two of our culture series, and we're learning about culture. And many times when we have a culture series, and many houses of worship have a culture series, a lot of times they're talking about maybe the house culture. Um, but last week, what was the title of last week's sermon? Don't thank you. Thanks, babe. Appreciate you. If nobody else got me, she got me. So <laughs> don't stop the flow. Please, don't be side eyeing. Go. I saw some side eyes. Please do. <laughs> You better tap into it. (laughs) I'm crying. But we had a don't stop the flow. And we were talking about the initial culture that has been set by God the Father. Um, In the Old Testament, God the Father set a specific standard. What happened is that when Jesus Christ came into fruition in the flesh in the New Testament, we see that Jesus Christ kept the flow going. And so it was God but just a different expression. Amen? And so what Jesus said is that I did not come to break the rules of the Old Testament, but really to fulfill them and continue to walk them out. And after Jesus Christ ascended unto unto heaven, we now see there's a new generation of disciples and apostles and Paul. And what do they do? They continue the flow. And so we as believers and we as Christians, we are called to keep the flow going. And so as we go into week two of this uh, series, we end next week. It's only three weeks. And so um, make sure you're fully tuned in today. Um, Today, we're going to talk a little bit more exclusively to this house. And so if this is your first time here, there is going to be some things that you can probably definitely partake with. But for those who have been here um, day one, like I said, your day one renewal started last week. So um, for those, y'all can say your day one, even if you just joined last week, your day one of 2024. And so today, we're going to be talking specifically about this house, but in a very, um, in a very vision-oriented way. And, And I don't think many of us, if, for those who have been with us for a long time, many of us know that our scripture is Ezekiel 22, 30, and we haven't really ever spoken fully into it. And so I'm going to really touch a little bit into it and give us a little bit of some understanding. And so I want us to open our Bible to Ezekiel 22, 23 to 31, Ezekiel 22, 23 to 31. If you're there, say there. If you're looking at the screen, say there. Shout out to you guys. (laughs) So the scripture says, the Lord spoke to me again. 24. Mortal man, he said, tell the Israelites that their land is unholy, and so I am punishing it in my anger. The leaders are like lions roaring over the animals they have killed. They kill the people, take all the money and property they can get, and by their murders leave many widows. 26. The priests break my law and have no respect for what is holy. They make no distinction between what is holy and what is not. They do not teach the difference between clean and unclean things. And they ignore the Sabbath. As a a result, the people of Israel do not respect me. Verse 27. The government officials are like wolves tearing apart the animals they have killed. They commit murder in order to get rich. 28. The prophets have hidden these sins, the sins of the government, right? Like workers covering a wall with whitewash. They see false visions and make false predictions. Hmm. They claim to speak the word of the sovereign Lord, but I, the Lord, have not spoken to them. Verse 29. The wealthy cheat and rob, and they mistreat the poor and take advantage of foreigners. Verse 30. So, the scripture of the Gap Church, 
I look for someone who could build a wall, who could stand in the places where the walls have crumbled, and some other translation says in the gap, um, where the walls have crumbled and defend the land when, there's an incentive, defend the land when my anger is about to destroy it, but I could find no one. That's a revelation right there. So I will turn my anger loose on them, and like a fire, I will destroy them for what they have done. The sovereign Lord has spoken. Bless the reading of God's word. That's a little bit of a, that's a little bit of heavy scripture right there. And this ain't even New Testament. Usually we hear some of these things like from Paul, but this is Old Testament. And so why are we reading this? When we say this scripture, for I sought for a man who could fill the gap, who once I look upon the earth, they could fill the gap. It's very easy to understand and, and say this and chant this as a church, but I want us to, to come into context with the reality that what was God looking for originally? Many of us, when we hear this, we think of intercession, understandably, that when God looks upon the earth, there should be people interceding, there should be believers, there should be Christians, and there should be people like that. There should be just one person at least that God could call on. And by then, hopefully, his anger will be succeeded. But in this situation, it didn't happen. As we were just reading here, what's so, what's so crazy about this, and I'll probably tie it on later on in Scripture, is that in that verse... That verse 30, it says, can we put that up? Verse 30. It says, I look for someone who could build a wall, who could send the places where the walls have crumbled. And here's the thing. I want us to understand this. When my anger is about to destroy it. So understand there's going to be a time that God will always look upon the earth and think to himself, is it time for me to destroy it? <laughs> or when I feel like destroying it. I wonder how many times God has looked upon earth past Noah, past Noah's time, past Paul's time, and been like, oh, I'm ready. I am ready. But thank God for someone that was in the gap, amen? Because it lets us know that I'm looking for someone every single time I'm ready to go ham. But in this specific situation, he could find no one. It's important for us to understand this before I go in any deeper is that God is always looking at the earth. God is always looking. Of course, some people are like, well, of course, he's omnipresent. He's, you know, he's everywhere. But I, I want us to really just, just picture it. God is always looking at the earth. He's aware of what is happening. He is aware of all the blasphemy. He's a, aware of what you did yesterday. No shame. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> He's aware of what you said. He's aware of what your ancestors have done. He's aware of everything that God knows everything. Understand that. God knows, understands. He is the one that is before, now, and after. The one that wrote. He's the author and finisher. Why does God look at the earth constantly? There's three reasons. We can write this down real quickly. Number one, God always looks at the earth to approve. To approve. I'll put the scripture, just Job 13.9. You can read it on your own time. God looks to approve. Number two, God looks to respond. God looks to respond. Deuteronomy 9.13-14. You can write that down. Deuteronomy 9.13-14. And number three, God looks to listen. That's Exodus 3.9. You can just read that on your own time. I believe that we should be reading the scripture on our own time, right? Don't believe everything I say, guys. <laughs> I'm, I'm being honest. Don't believe everything I say. Go home and do your homework. 
So that's three reasons. I'm sure there's many more reasons, but three concrete reasons I've been able to read in Scripture that why God looks upon earth. He looks to approve, he looks to respond, and he looks to listen. Proverbs 15.3 says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. So the good things you do, he sees it. That's why we always say, God, open up the book of remembrance for me. Because he's seen the good things. When no one else was watching, he has seen what you've done. The good things. The things that people have spit on you for. The things that could have degraded your character, but you know it was Christ-like. He sees it. The forgiveness, he sees it. And so, as we understand that God looks upon the earth, in the scripture of Ezekiel, it's important as we got to Ezekiel 30, seeing God looking upon the earth for someone to stand in the gap, we must understand that there were specific things he was looking for. There are specific positions that God mentioned prior to that scripture that we must pay attention to. And there's five positions I have here. And this is what's going to tie in everything. If you don't know, the title of the message is uh, The Sent Ones. Just simple, The Sent Ones. Everybody say, The Sent the sent ones. There we go. Five positions that God spoke to Ezekiel about. Number one, he spoke about the leaders. He spoke about the leaders. Ezekiel, if you look in the scripture, Ezekiel 22 verse 25. Ezekiel 22 verse 25. He says what? The leaders are like, thank you. The leaders are like, roaring over the animals they have killed. They kill the people, take all the money and property they can get, and by their murders, leave many widows. This is God looking at leaders. In scripture, they translate leaders to basically being kings, people in, in, in high positions. Um, literally, that's what God considers leaders. So when he looked upon the kings of the land, this is what he saw. And I love the poetic imagery that, that is used in scripture. Just imagine that. He said the leaders are like lions roaring over the animals they have killed. I don't know anybody that watches Discovery. I watch it sometimes when I'm bored. But imagine lions roaring over animals they've killed. What does that mean? That's a, that's, that's a little bit of pride. There's pride to that. There, that, that. That shows a bit of pride. That shows a lot of, that shows a bit of merc, mercilessness. Like just, they don't care. Shows a bit of greed, egotistical. It says that they take all the money and property they can get. And by their murders, leave many widows. So they take the lives of priests in homes. They take the lives of ones that can, that can, that can give the seed to the woman for life. I'm sure there's some people that can relate on what it feels like to, 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 to grow up in a home without a father. And I'm sure, whether you like it or not, I'm sure you probably could admit and say that it probably would have made a difference if there's a present father, right? Let's be honest. And so we see, when he looks at the leaders, the kings of the nation, he sees them and sees that these people are for themselves. I don't know about you, but if you can just think a little bit right now in, in, in the country, in the, in the Asia that we're in, you can probably think of some leaders that are like this, some kings that are very ruthless, that kill people. And I want you to understand, as I go through every single position, 
I, I want you to understand that God is warranted to look at these positions because he's seen it done right. Wasn't David a king? Wasn't Esther a queen? So it means that there's people that can fulfill the standard, but they're choosing not to. Number two, another position he saw, he saw the priest. He looked upon the earth and saw the priest. Ezekiel 22, verse 26, it says, The priest break my law and have no respect for what is holy. They make no distinction between what is holy and what is not. I don't know if any of you guys are getting some, are starting to relate some things even now in our, in, in, in our generation and seeing how things can be. There's, there's going to be some similarities you're going to see here. So there's no distinction, distinction between what is holy and what is not. It says they do not even teach the difference between clean and unclean things. And they ignore the Sabbath. And here's where it's crazy. It says as a result, the people as a whole, the nation, those that are believers and unbelievers, do not even respect me. They don't respect me. Theologians believe as well, when it comes to priests, if you don't know what priests are in the Bible, priests are basically like intercessors. They're not necessarily pastors. They're people that are the middle ground between God and the people. And so basically like intercessors, the ones that would, would carry uh, 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 the sacrifices and begin to offer before God into the holies of holies, all these different things. That's what the priests are. And so God is saying, when I looked upon the intercessors, this is what I saw. Those that are supposed to, be, supposed to be holding the standard and saying, you better ask for mercy, ask for forgiveness, they begin to create a, blur, a blurred line on what is holy and what is not. And what makes matters worse is that when it came to teaching, they didn't even teach the right thing. When it came to actually putting principle and equipping the body, equipping the people, they taught the wrong thing. Isn't that what the generation is trying to do now? Let's start from the young age. Teach them the wrong thing. What does that mean? It means that the people that were interceding, they lacked, they, they, they didn't have any fear of God. They cared more about themselves. They cared about being more so uh, 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 culturally accepted. Is that wrong? I mean, it just depends on how you look at it. And as a result, a whole people did not respect God. Who, is, who here has ever encountered someone that doesn't respect them? Think about that. Isn't that the most triggering thing ever? When you know you are supposed to be respected a specific way and someone doesn't respect you that way? Because it's a deep pain. It's just like the moment you talk back to your parents. Ah, me, the one that brought you into <laughs> I will send you <laughs> so imagine God the one that I birthed and the one I brought my I breathed life into the one after all the foolishness you guys did with Moses and all the other people with Joshua King David and then his son, and then his son went crazy, and I still had some level of mercy through those times, and you mean to tell me you don't respect me? All thanks to the priest. 
all things to the intercessors. The third type of people he talks about, government officials. Ezekiel 22, verse 27. It says, the government officials are like wolves tearing apart the animals they have killed. They commit murder in order to get rich. This is just a, like a one-liner. They are like wolves tearing apart the animals they have killed. We're going to use some more imagination. I know it's a gory, gory picture to think of. But imagine, they are tearing apart things that are already dead. They're tearing apart corpses, things that have no life. It speaks of anger, speaks of even weird fetishes probably. Let's be honest, that's weird. They're restless. There's so much lawlessness and what does it say at the end of the day? They commit murder for one reason, to get rich. To get rich. They commit murder just to get rich. You see, when it comes to the kings, there are issues that they kill people and they take all the money and property. But for the government officials, all they do is just kill people just for the money. And like I said, God would not be pointing out these different categories if he hasn't seen it done well. We see this even in scripture. Wasn't Daniel in, 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 in government? Wasn't Deborah? Wasn't she a judge? So God has seen people who have upheld a standard in these places. The fourth one, he calls out, he calls out the prophets. Some theologians believe that he's talking about prophets and, or pastors, but anyone basically that he's supposed to speak to to communicate with the people. So remember, priests are just intercessors. Meanwhile, the prophets are the ones that he usually gives a word to to speak to other people, right? 22 verse 28, Ezekiel 22 verse 28, says, The prophets have hidden the sins like workers covering a wall with whitewash. They see, this is deep by the way, it didn't say they imagine, it didn't say that they just come up with, it says they see, they see false visions. That is a deep, that's deep. They see false vision and make false predictions. And what makes it worse is that they claim to speak the word of the sovereign Lord. But I, God says, I have not spoken to them. We see this all the time, and I don't want to speak about it too much, but this is so sad. It says in the scripture that, there's prophets, there's people who are supposed to be speaking my word, supposed to be the ones that are speaking the right things. Basically, my, my mouthpiece, instead of speaking the correct things, they're trying to hide the sins of governments and politicians. They're covering up their sins. They're more focused on being in good standing with the country and the city and being on the good side of the president to affirm the sins that they've done. It says that they see false visions. I want you to understand this. What this is letting me know is that, number one, they have no relationship with God, really. It doesn't mean that maybe one time they were connected, and maybe at one time what they said was actually validated, because somebody must be listening to them, right? But it says they see false visions, and they make false predictions. 
And they claim, they say that the Lord has affirmed it. They fabricate the spirituality. And then the last people that God speaks about is just the regular townspeople. Ezekiel 22, verse 29, I want to read from the NKJV version. It says, the people of the land have used oppressions, committed robbery, and mistreated the poor and needy, and they wrongfully oppress the stranger. This means that there's no love. That's what it means. I'm not going to mention names, but I'm sure for some people that have gone to some specific countries and they complain that it's the government, you see it in the people as well. If it's in the people, that's, you can't blame the government anymore. It's in the people too. God is pointing out all these people to let you know that this is a domino effect of lawlessness. A domino effect of absent gap fillers. A domino effect of absent sent ones. People that must have had destinies, must have supposed to have connection to me, supposed to be trusted, loyal, but they are not there when I'm ready to release my anger. And so for some that read this scripture, as I remember, I, I used to reflect upon this scripture because for those that know the context of Ezekiel, uh, the context of this story, they know that there's two prophets around that time, Ezekiel and Jeremiah. We know these two people. And for many of us, we may say, but God, those are two people that are trusted, that are loyal to you. Why couldn't you spare the city because of those two people? That's somebody that can fill the gap. But you know, as I begin to study as God was pointing out these different positions, here's the thing. Every one of those positions holds influence. I want you to think about it. It doesn't matter what a man of God has to say if every single person of influence is against him. I want you to think about this. Let's be very honest. If there's 10 popular people that have mass followings that tell you to go left... And there's one person that has mass followings that tells you to go right. Who are you going to listen to? The 10. So we are dealing with positions of influence that God was looking to. I'm looking for the, for the presidents. I'm looking for the governors because they hold of influence, but they are not my people. I'm looking at the priests, the intercessors of the land, and they're supposed to be my people, but they're not there. I'm looking for, 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 the, for the governments, the, 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 the people that are in the cities, in the city hall, and in all these different positions. But when I look there, they're not there. I even went to the prophets. I went to the pastors. I went to the evangelists. And they're not there either. In fact, they're helping spread the sin. And you know what? There ain't even a Rahab in the city. I can't even use a townsperson because even the townspeople, they're committing murders. They're spreading sin. And so every level of influence, every level that there was a, supposed to be attached to a sent person, no one's there. And so now as I look upon the earth with anger, I have no choice but to carry out what I want to do because someone who was sent there isn't there. 
someone who was sent there isn't there. God has seen it done before. God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. I want you to understand, I'm going to keep on saying that. And so just because we read about it all the time, about prophets influencing kings, we cannot say that's a pastime thing. That may still be the expectation. Evangelists influencing coworkers, influencing CEOs, CEOs influencing their sphere of influence, doctors influencing policies that the hospitals make. He's looking everywhere. And so this is why we are sent ones, because the reality is that God is going to continually look upon the earth day after day. I don't know what day he's going to look upon it with anger. (laughs) But the reality is that your yes matters, your consecration matters, your holiness matters, your consistency matters. Your relationship with him matters. Your secret place matters. You accepting the call matters. Because here's the reality. If all of you decide to say no, if the whole Arlington, if the whole Texas says no, and three of us say yes, I mean, we'll see what God does then. But the reality is that the influence is not really on our side. It's on y'all. I was saying this in the first service. You all are more likely to have dinner with a sinner than me. For sure. I do this every day. This is my work. Y'all are more likely to have lunch with a sinner before me. That's the reality. And so don't be expecting me to be having lunch with sinners. I don't mind. Bring them to me. We can have a nice four cafe type situation. But the reality is that every single day that you are going out, you're the one that's been sent forth to proclaim the gospel and be the light in the world. So God is waiting and he's ready so that every time he looks, he can say, oh, I see. Shay's there. Oh, I see. Abike's there. Oh, I see. This person's there. This person's there. Ayo's there. When I look, I can see someone is there. And they can intercede. Trust me, Minister Lalade can intercede all she wants. But the truth is that you're not, a, you're not a doctor right now, are you? A doctor knows how to intercede better for a hospital than she may. I don't want to rant, but don't expect me to intercede better for your, for your context. You're there. I'm not there. You're there. I'm not there. I can pray for it. I can pray for your hospital. I can pray for your business. I can pray. But you're the one that's putting in the work. You're the one that's a sent one. I'm, I've been sent here. <laughs> and so understand that every single person here carries influence. Every single person here is sent for a reason. And God is expecting with the investment that he's put into your life, with where you are right now, that by the time, even if where you are right now is not permanent, that when he looks, even if it's at McDonald's, he will find you.
interceding, seeing your Dunson or your Maverick City on the clock, whatever you want to do. As I close, Matthew 28, 16, 20, Matthew 28, 16, 20. It says here, this is Jesus Christ. Um, it says, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed and made appointment with them. Verse 17, and when they saw him, they fell down and worshiped him, but some doubted. Verse 18, it says, Jesus approached and breaking the silence said to them, all authority, all power of rule in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And this is what he says, the Great Commission, verse 19. Many of us should know this. Go then and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you all the days perpetually, uniformly, and on every occasion to the very close and consummation of the age. Amen. So let it be. It doesn't say here in Scripture that go forth being a pastor, go forth being a prophet, go forth being an evangelist to the nations. It just says, go forth. I'm sending you forth. He kept the flow. I'm sending you forth to the nations. I'm sending you forth to the sectors. You are a sent one with an assignment. You are, you are 007. <laughs> you are an agent of the Lord. Amen? And so let's bow our heads right now. And what I want us just to pray about is two things. We pray this in the first service, that God, have mercy on me for any way I've not fully stepped into the gap. Have mercy on me if I have not come into terms, Heavenly Father, with where you've truly sent me, God. And you can also pray that God, equip me for where you've sent me. Equip me for where you've sent me. Equip me for where you're sending me. Equip me for where I am. For some of you, you're in a new place right now. Equip me for where I am right now. Imagine if every single place we went, every job we went, every place we worked, every class we were in, we looked at ourselves as a sent one. Imagine the foundations we will build for the next someone that comes in. Even as we have our eyes closed right now, we want to give the opportunity for anyone watching online or in person. And this is a very important moment. Can we just all close our eyes if we can? For those who are still praying, continue praying. But for some people in this room, there's some people that need to make a decision here today. There's two groups. Number one, you're, you're a person who has no relationship with Christ. Maybe this is your first time or maybe you've been going here and you're starting to realize that this salvation that I have is not really a real salvation. Maybe it was emotionally based. It's not a real salvation. Uh, I, I don't think I, I really have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But there's also another group that has said, I know I've been consistent at one point. I know that I, 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 was, I was right in line with what God wanted me to do, but I've fallen off. And as I'm coming into 2024, I know that I want to start things anew. And so I want us to pray this prayer together. But if you're in those two groups, I want you to declare this unto God as a personal prayer and a declaration. And so let's say this all together in support. And for those that who know they're saying this, say this with all your heart to God because he hears you. 
Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Help me to know you better. As I accept you today, take over my heart and dwell in me. Forgive me of my old ways and help me to change into the person that you want me to be. I love you, Lord, and I proclaim that you are my God. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we just keep our heads bowed just real quick? If you said that prayer and you truly meant it, you're in those two groups, I want you to just raise your hand right now, and I want to pray with you just right here. Um, just raise it up boldly. Um, I just want to be able to just pray with you right now. Thank you. Can you just a little bit higher so I can see you right now? Thank you. Perfect. Heavenly Father, we want to say thank you for your sons and your daughters, God, for making this decision, God, this declaration, Heavenly Father. As they're raising their hands boldly, Heavenly Father, they're not just raising their hands because of hype, but they're raising their hands because they know that they're making this decision, and they're making it with all their hearts, God. They've said this prayer in declaration to you, and so we just pray, Heavenly Father, God, that this will be a decision that they never regret, God. I pray, Heavenly Father, God, that you be real to them. I pray, Heavenly Father, God, that every voice of guilt, every voice of shame, every voice of their past, even if it's yesterday night, God, that you begin to silence it, Heavenly Father. We proclaim, Heavenly Father, God, that you send forth fire into their secret places, God. Begin to meet them, God. For some of them, they've tried you before. For some of them, they've tried to be consistent, but it felt like nothing was happening. God, I just pray, Lord, that you show yourself to them, God. I pray, Lord, for those that need deliverance and healing in any way, God. I pray, Lord, that you meet them where they are, God. I pray, Almighty Father, Lord, that week after week, encourage them with your love. Encourage them with signs and wonders, God, and the little things, God. And maybe they're going into an environment, Heavenly Father, God, that is not nurturing of a salvation or a Jesus-based relationship, Heavenly Father. We just pray, Heavenly Father, God, that you guard them with your blood, God, and affirm them and bring the right people around them, God. We say thank you, Lord. Continue to renew the joy of our salvation, God. Week to week, day to day, Heavenly Father. And we just pray for every single person in this room and watching online, God. We just pray, Heavenly Father, that help us, help us to be equipped to be sent ones, God. We pray, Heavenly Father, God, let us not run away from the gaps that you've sent us to, God. We pray, Heavenly Father, God, set us apart, God. Give us the guidance, Lord, on knowing how to, uh, to, to, to carry and steward the calling that you have upon our lives, God. God, all glory belongs to you. Thank you for sending us out, God. Be with us, Heavenly Father. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen. The last thing I just want to say before I have a few, before I go into giving, um, this is really important, and I just felt the nudge in my spirit to say this. I want you to understand this, and I remember I was in a, when I was in film school, um, we went on a trip somewhere, and we met a Christian-based organization when we were in, I think we were in L.A. for a little bit. We met a Christian-based uh, organization, and... You know what the biggest complaint they told us was? They said the issue is that they love hiring believers, but the reality is that believers, they think because they're believers, they get exemptions. They think because they're believers, they don't have to work as hard. And so I want to charge you from this altar and let you know that you're going into a world that the standard is excellence. You are in a world that they don't play games. So if you want to be slobby on the job, please do that at home. Get a, get a job that's not serious. But I'm telling you, when you are sloppy on the job, they equate that to being a believer. 
don't embarrass God because of your characteristics and how sloppy and lazy you are. The standard does not change. We are in a world that has a standard. That's why we try and we're, we're trying our best to be excellent here because the truth is that any unbeliever that walks into here, their standard walking into here is excellence. This better be working. This better be going right. So for you, as you're going into the world, as you are in the world, the standard doesn't change because you don't get a free pass. Don't let your lack of work ethic and the practical things disqualify you from the influence that God has for you. We pray that God will give us the grace. Amen. Thank you for tuning into the Gap Church podcast. We hope this message blessed you. If you made that choice to give your life to Christ, congratulations. We celebrate you. Don't forget to text SAVE to 817-381-5353. Again, text SAVE to 817-381-5353. Thank you so much and have a blessed week.